And that's what was happening, even though it was a very painful experience. And my husband did indeed pass away. Uh, I, uh, I, I just did not know that I could live. And I was working on our Balanced Living series at that time. We have 26 beautiful tracks, mm -hmm. but it was changing the way I was sharing. I am Michael Xarona, and you're listening to Why I Am Here, a show that shares the incredible stories of our guests and how they can inspire you to have a closer walk with God. If you have noticed lately, we have featured on this show some great stories. Stories of how God has delivered people from difficult situations, some from drugs, some from physical injury, some from diseases like cancer. And we've seen God's hand working in people's lives and them testifying of Him working through their lives. But you know, there are some situations and instances where people pray and it seems like God is not answering. Well, does God have favorites? As far as I know, he does not. God loves everyone. But how about someone who is praying and God seems not to answer? You might be thinking, Lord, where is my miracle? So on today's show, I sit down with Vicky Griffin. Now Vicky has a similar story. Her husband was sick with cancer. She prayed. She even wished she could trade places with her husband. But it did not happen. Her husband ended up dying. Her and her husband were in ministry teaching people healthy living, healthy eating. What do you do? How do you answer the question why? How do you even face the people that you teach healthy living and healthy eating? So on today's show, let us find out how Vicky went through this situation and came out of it. Let's find out more on today's show. I'm the Health Ministries Director for the Michigan Conference of Seventh-day Adventists and the Director of Lifestyle Matters. Thank you so much for having me here today. Wonderful. It's good to have you here. So tell me, were you raised Christian? How did you become a Christian? What was your spiritual journey? Uh, it was quite convoluted, as probably many people can relate. I did not have a worldview of the God that I do today. Let hmm. me say that. The worldview that I had of God as a child was a very distant being that if you are not saved, uh, that person would be consigned to eternal conscious torment. This disturbed me as a child because I thought, well, you know, I wouldn't even do that to a lizard. So I couldn't reconcile that thought with a thought of a loving God who would help me through the trials of life. Hmm. I didn't investigate. I didn't know enough to investigate. I accepted what I was taught without studying for myself. And then in addition, uh, 
to this worldview, which I needed to learn and did learn later, uh, mm-hmm. the accurate version of what God teaches about himself and and about people. Um, I also came from a very violent home, a very dysfunctional, violent home. And so my father left when I was young. I was left with a very violent uh, parent, a very mentally ill parent. And so I ran away from home for the first time when I was just five years old. When you were five? <laughs> yes. I didn't, wow, you were didn't, pretty young. I didn't make it very far. But it began a pattern mm-hmm. in my life. Uh, it began a pattern of helplessness, hopelessness, and worthlessness. And I know that there are listeners that can relate to that state. That's and right. Now today, and, and I'm going to skip to the end of the story and then go back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Because as a health educator, as a person who has advanced education now in mental and physical health, human nutrition, administration, and social work, now I understand that the heart of health is not outcomes. It's not lab tests, although we love good lab tests. That's right. But the heart of health is hope. Hope in our heartaches, hope in our habits, hope in our hindrances, and hope for heaven. And walking with God promises us all of these things. Mm-hmm. And the weaker we know ourselves to be, the stronger is his strength. But backing up, I knew none of these things. And you know, people make decisions based on what they know. And when people are without God and without hope in this world, they just plod along and do the best they can just trying to avoid pain. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that we do to avoid pain cause more pain. So by the time I was 11, uh, I was running away from home on a regular basis. Uh, I got involved and fell in with a crowd that was uh, wild, unruly, and lawless, because that's what my attitude was by that time. I had no recipe for solving problems. The only thing I knew to do was run or use drugs. And then unfortunately, at that time, I also developed Uh, bulimia, serious bulimia. Did you ever seek to find answers to to the questions maybe that you had? You're just trying to internalize it and think through all this. I had no faith in the Bible. I was trying to survive every day. I was trying to escape the next beating, trying to find safety, trying to find comfort, fellowship, Mm. and friendship, but looking in all the wrong places. So when you're in that kind of an agenda... Mm -hmm. Uh, you don't really have a lot of time to philosophize. And so my mindset was immature at that time. I was just a child. That's right. And so I was, uh, in my in my thinking, I was being very independent. I was just being very bold and outspoken, and I did not realize that I was being very stupid. <laughs> so when, when you would run away from home, you would come back yes. and run away again. What did you run to? Well, I, I hid in friends' houses. I would run. Um, my my mother would have to come and find me. One mm. time I, I turned myself in to juvenile hall. They didn't know what to do with me because people don't turn themselves into juvenile hall right. as incorrigible. They get caught. So they didn't know what to do with somebody that showed up and demanded <laughs> to be incarcerated. Oh uh, so it was unusual. <laughs> that's but right. That's unusual I, for sure. I hid in libraries. And so my grades miraculously stayed high, which was a good thing for later on. When I was 17, 
I ran away for good. I ran away with some bad people. Hmm. And um, I came back, I ran away to Canada and came back a year later when I found out that my mother was dying of cancer. She had a cancer battle that she was fighting. Mm -hmm. I did not believe in God at that time. I was a hardened atheist. I just had no thought of my future or my own well-being. I had no respect for myself or for anyone else. And that's a really bad place to be. That's right. But I'm really thankful today. I mean, think about it. I am the health ministries director of Lifestyle Matters. Imagine such a thing, how yeah, God... what a turnaround. <laughs> God wants to weaponize every evil. Mm-hmm. He wants to weaponize everything that Satan means for a curse. He wants to weaponize it for his kingdom. And that's exactly what he ultimately did. Exactly. So this is, uh, this is a story of God's resurrection power. It's a story of how he has created you and I for renewal, restoration, and recovery. And so I ran away for good. I came back when I found out that she was uh, fighting this cancer battle. I loved my mother. She was a troubled person, but I certainly wasn't going to abandon her in her hour of need. She had no one. Mm -hmm. And so I was taking her to one of her treatments. I lived in Riverside. I was taking her to one of her treatments, and I passed by a complex of buildings. I was 17 years old at the time, Mm-hmm. And I noticed uh, the landscaping with these buildings. They, the buildings themselves weren't so attractive, but the landscaping was beautiful. And I actually noticed it. And I actually mentioned it to a friend. And I said, Wendy, there is this venting company. They must make vents seven days a week. It's called Seventh Day Adventist. And they must produce these things, but they've got the most beautiful landscaping. I thought it was an odd name, and I thought it was an odd company. But oh, the, So you didn't even think that it was a church? Oh, no. No, no. And uh, my friend laughed. She had some modicum of religion. She was the only friend that I had that uh-huh. had even a slight knowledge of religious things. And she said, Vicki, that actually is a university. It's called Seventh-day Adventist. And uh, oh, really? She she knew about Seventh Day Adventism. She did. She had heard the term, uh-huh. and she knew a little bit about them. And I remember, like it was yesterday, I said to her, "Well, Wendy, anyone that landscapes like that can't be all bad. I think I'll go there." Really? And she laughed, and and she said, "Well, Vicky, I don't know how they would relate to an atheist like you, but if you really want to go there and you really want to get in." Uh, if you just tell them the body's a temple, I'll bet they'll let you in. <laughs> and and uh, I had no clue whatsoever no that meant. I was a hardened atheist. Right. I was a flaming women's liber. Nobody was going to tell me what to do. And yet I wanted to wow. go there. I wanted to work on grounds. And with my mother's suffering, my party friends weren't so fun anymore. Because mm. in a pinch, when I really needed uh, help and sympathy and courage, uh, they're too busy partying. And so I was becoming disinclined to want to spend a lot of time with mm. them. And so, so th- did you go to, to the Seventh-day Adventist institution? I had an interview with the president of the university, Dr. Osmondson. Oh, really? And I went into the office knowing nothing, but my grades were good. I said to him, Dr. Osmondson, I don't know too much about you people, but I really like the idea that the body's a temple. And he just lit up 
And he put his arm around me and he said, I wish we had more young people like you on this campus. <laughs> and I remember thinking. How did you feel? Oh, I, I mean, this was easy. I, I thought, wow, if the one at the top is this naive and easy, what are the rest of them like? So I, I felt like I had weaseled my way in, mm. but it was God. Amen. Opening a door. I had no idea what I was getting into. I had no idea that I was about to meet the living Savior. I had no idea. This is a quote I carry with me in my Bible. Uh, two of them I'm going to share with you at this juncture because this is the ultimate of what happened to me and what God wants to happen to everyone, no matter how confused their past has been, no matter how mm. bitter they've been, no matter what has happened to them. God has a plan. Amen. And uh, this is from a wonderful book called Desire of Ages. And it's on page 37, and it says, None but Christ can fashion anew the character that has been ruined by sin. Wow. He came to expel the demons that had controlled the will. He came to lift us up from the dust, to reshape the marred character after the pattern of his divine character and make it beautiful with his own glory. Wow, that is powerful. Is there anybody that would like to sign up for that out there today? <laughs> yes, I'd like I'm to sure. sign up for that program. I'm sure a lot more people would like to sign up for that. There's one more that I will share. It's from a book called Five Testimonies, page 537. The forgiveness of sin is not the sole result of the death of Jesus. Mm -hmm. He made the infinite sacrifice, not only that sin might be removed, but that human nature might be restored, rebeautified reconstructed from its ruins and made fit for the presence of God. Wow. What a wonderful promise. So he wants to bring growth out of grief, yes, power out of pain, life out of loss, compassion out of calamity. And I met my husband there, my husband, Dane. He was backslidden, so he liked me. <laughs> <laughs> but God knew what he was doing there as well. Right. Uh, we met, so, so you met at this Adventist institution. I met a backslidden Adventist at this institution. What was he doing? Was he working there? Or oh, yes. Was... He was a student. He was in media. Uh, he was a journalism major, very active, very a wonderful human being, very kind. He was a wannabe bad boy. He, he really wasn't the real bad. He was fake bad, if you okay. know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> but <laughs> he needed the he needed the renewing power of Christ in his life at that time. And he neither he or I uh, knew what God had in store for us mm. as a ministry team. Wonderful. And so we met, we married, we had children together, and we felt our need because only Christ can cure the selfishness of the human heart. Only mm -hmm. Christ can free us from the burden of sin. That's right. And so I began to learn the truth. I began to see what the Bible really teaches about God. And worldview drives everything. Right. So how were you learning? Were you taking Bible studies? Were you studying by yourself? Or were you well, discussing with your husband? That's so interesting because uh -huh. the, the first year that I went to school there, you're required to take a religion class, but I refused. I wouldn't do it. Really? And for some reason, I didn't get in trouble and I wasn't caught. And maybe that had something to do with God's timing. Mm -hmm. But somewhere along the line, someone told me, they said, Vicki, you really have thought that God burns people forever and ever and ever. But the truth is, 
you don't have a soul. You are a soul. And someday there's going to be an end to sin and an end to those who love sin. There will be a kingdom of righteousness where there will be no more tears or sorrow or pain. Mm. And that there will be an end that even the devil will be destroyed. And they showed me from the word of God. And it created a hunger. I remember thinking, I could worship a God like that. Amen. I went into social work. I was doing child abuse investigations. I wanted justice. Then I received a fellowship to go to law school. I was going to put everybody in jail. I was on a vendetta to make things right. But I couldn't make myself right. Hmm. I couldn't make my husband right. And I couldn't make myself right. And so I came face to face with a God of justice as well as a God of mercy. Amen. And those two things are so essential in the character of God. Justice and mercy. I couldn't fathom a God who tortures people forever. I rejected the idea of God. But when I opened the Bible and read Psalm 37 Mm -hmm. and Psalm 73, those two Psalms, reverse numbers, 3773, those outlined the entire great controversy from start to finish. And then as I explored the books of the Bible and I saw that the final disposition of sin and evil and even the devil himself will be forever destroyed and there will be a kingdom of righteousness Uh and that the former things will not be remembered or come to mind, I became a believer. I gave my heart to God. At that time, I was a very serious bulimic. I now felt my need of a savior like never before. And instead of Uh, seeing myself as a victim Mm -hmm. uh, and wrapped up in a big package of myself and drowning in the sea of me, myself, and I. Now, for the first time, I saw myself as a sinner. Hmm. I saw myself as a manipulator. I saw myself as as worthy of death. Uh, And I saw myself as in need of a new heart. Amen. And Dane and I went to hear a lay preacher that night. And at that time, I was severely bulimic. I was throwing up a dozen times a day. I was extremely thin. Hmm. I couldn't control this thing. I was a straight A student. I had scholarships. I was getting into city management, but I couldn't control myself. And I needed a savior. I needed someone who could give me a new heart, Hmm. new aspirations, victory, and a new lease on life. And and it wasn't in having a wonderful husband and a good marriage, and it wasn't in having degrees, and it wasn't in getting smarter and getting A's. It was in feeling my need for a savior. He was the only one that could make me new. And so I got on my knees (laughs) and the prayer that I prayed was not an ooey gooey love. I love you, God prayer, because I didn't know him that well. The Bible says that we love him because he first loved us Mm -hmm. and and that it is his love that draws us. And we come to him because of our need, not because of love. And that was the case for me. And so my prayer was kind of a mafia type of prayer. I made a contract with God. I got on my knees and I said, Lord, you died. I now understand that you died to create a reservoir of righteousness and power. Uh But there's a string attached. We have to give you, I have to give you all of my unrighteousness. I have to give you all of myself. And then you will give me all of yourself. And I accept this contract. But I actually attached a condition. (laughs) I did. (laughs) What was the condition? I said, there's one string attached. Mm -hmm. I am so angry for years of wasted life, wasted health, wasted mental health, despair, destruction, and dismay, and discouragement. Mm -hmm. I'm so angry at the devil who has done this to me. 
Okay. That I, was I, a, I was about to ask uh, yes. if you were angry at God. I or... was not at this point. Now I knew who to be angry with. Okay. I said, I am so angry at the devil mm-hmm. for what he has done. The only string I have attached is that I want to pay the rest, spend the rest of my life paying the devil back for what he did. <laughs> and the Lord hired me, and now I'm a hitman. Oh, wonderful. And he, <laughs> you know, and, and the Bible addresses suffering, mm-hmm. unremittent unrelenting suffering, the horrible oppression against the weak and the helpless. You know, I understand that terrible things happen to innocent people and really evil people have good things happen to them. But whether by choice, Mm -hmm. chance, or circumstance, whether you've been dealt a a poor genetic deck, whether your environment has been against you, Mm -hmm. or whether the choices uh, that you have made have been horrible, you've been ignorantly alienated from the life of God, whether it's by choice, chance, or circumstance, God wants to weaponize those things for his kingdom, for his glory, and to build you up in the most holy faith. And there there is an answer to the sin problem. The Bible is the only book that really addresses evil Mm -hmm. and the resolution of evil for all time and addresses injustice. When you talk about people that have a worldview of karma, Uh, Then that baby that has a brain tumor, well, it has to be something from a prior life. How so you're guilty before you ever hit this earth, before you're ever born into this world. And so the worldview of the Bible is of a God of justice who is intervening in a broken, sinful world because Mm -hmm. God died. Jesus died to give us the power of choice. Amen. I'm going to take you back to the prayer. After you had prayed, did you feel like... A burden had oh. been lifted up? or Oh, the the bulimia was gone. Really? Oh, it was over. It was over. And, that, and that's a good question. Uh-huh. Now, does that mean that I had a beautiful character from the moment I got up off my knees? And does it mean I never made a mistake again? No. But it means that my heart was now different. Now I had hope. Now I had victory. Now I actually hated that thing. Now I had a different path for facing down pain, problems and pride. Mm-hmm. Now I had a recipe for solving problems. And and the Lord broke the power of Satan over me. And that's all I can say. I mean, years and years of this habit was broken. Wow. It was broken. It was gone. That is amazing. And there was no one else that could break that power. There was no one else. Now that's does not to say that there isn't a place for counseling. It doesn't uh-huh. that's not to say there isn't a place for residential treatments for our problems or for working with your healthcare provider. But none of those things can change the heart, can mm-hmm. change the will, and can change the inclination. That's so I, I did not have those things at my disposal at that time. It probably would have made my journey a little easier. Mm-hmm. But I knew one thing. I knew that Jesus was now my Savior. I knew that he had lifted me up out of the dust, and he was going to make me new. And my husband, by the way, had the same experience that same night. The same night? Yes. He had the same experience. And within six months of that event, Mm -hmm. we were in full-time ministry for 28 years out of our 32-year marriage. At this moment, Vicky and her husband are learning a lot about ministry, about the truth, about God, about themselves as well. They're enjoying ministry and God is leading and directing them and they're working together and they're enjoying it. But when we come back, we're going to find out more how things changed in their lives and how they ended up being separated by death. Hi, I'm Vicki Griffin, inviting you to visit lifestylematters.com. 
Whether you're interested in recipes, articles, handouts, books, scripted PowerPoints in English and Spanish, or just watching some great videos on 26 different wellness topics, visit us today at lifestylematters.com. This program is sponsored by Village Seventh-day Adventist Church. If you would like to learn more about Village Church, please visit villagesda.org. Are you wondering how you can spend the financial blessings God has given you? Join Village Church as we partner with the El Salvadorian Union to build the first Adventist college in El Salvador. If you would like to learn more about this opportunity, please visit villagesda.org. So how did you get into ministry? And, and by the way, I would say he is now resting in the grave, waiting mm. for, the, for the Savior, the resurrection and the life. Amen. How I can't wait for that resurrection morning. Mm -hmm. We just began to be fervent Bible students. We started a family altar. We had prayer. Uh, and I read a statement that uh, is very beautiful, and it, and it should resonate and will resonate with all of our viewers and our listeners, that as we humbly profess what we know, Mm -hmm. We will grow in grace and truth. And, and, and Mark Twain said something interesting. He said, it's not what we know that's so bad. It's what we know that ain't so. And so when we know truth and when we share truth in God's winsome way, it becomes more beautiful. That's right. And it becomes more powerful. Uh -huh. And he begins to add. He works on the plan of multiplication while we work on the plan of addition. Mm -hmm. He says, grace be multiplied to you. And so I began to study, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? Because I wasn't in the image of God throughout my life. I, I was a liar and a thief and selfish and angry and full of self-pity. I was a slave uh, to my lifestyle. And so what does it mean to be made in God's image? Well, this is exactly what the Bible says. So when God made us in his image, he made us with the ability to judge things. Mm -hmm. He made us with the ability to have insight. We pray for insight, don't we? We do. So we pray if any of you yeah. lacks wisdom. So insight is what it means to be made in his image. He gives us insight how to navigate through life. And he also gives us oversight, the ability to have oversight. That's the part of us that monitors ourselves. And anyone who's out there listening who has an addiction knows that you're watching yourself go down the drain. That's right. But you don't have the power to stop it. Uh -huh. But you can see what you're doing. Yeah. And then he has given us the power of foresight, the ability to reason from cause to, to effect. effect. Uh -huh. Wow, how amazing that, that is. That is amazing. And Mencius, the Chinese sage, said knowledge imparts information, but not the power to execute. And then in addition, he gives us hindsight, the ability to learn from our past. Mm -hmm. To walk with Christ means the enrichment of these graces and these faculties. That's what it means to grow in the grace of Christ. Amen. Amen. So we are growing in our mental faculties, uh -huh. in an obedient lifestyle. We understand that the Ten Commandments is the constitution of God. He says he will write that law in our hearts. 
that the moral and physical laws which govern our being, the social laws, the laws of stewardship, the emotional health, psychological laws of health, they are his creation to remake us in his image as fallen beings. Mm. And the weaker we know ourselves to be, the more grace and strength and instruction and guidance we will get from our Heavenly Father. So all this revelation, all these things that you're explaining, you started learning them whilst you were starting to do ministry with your husband. Actually, I learned them in ministry uh-huh. as as we worked for God, as we shared, as we would share what we knew. What does Jesus say? He says, if any man comes to me, mm-hmm. out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Amen. And so as we would read and study and uh-huh. see our need, I love the, the statement by um, F.B. Myers. He said this. He said, I used to think that the Christian gifts were on the highest shelves. And as that as I grew in Christian strength and stature and go, grew taller in God, that I could reach those high shelves. But he said, now I realize that the greatest gifts are on the lowest shelves. Hmm. So what does the Bible really teach us? The meek he will guide in judgment. The wow. meek he will teach his way. The hardest people for Jesus to reach were the intelligentsia of his day. They knew the doctrine, but they didn't know the great physician. That's right. And they that are whole need not a physician. And so as we experience the rough places in life, as we read the word of God and it reveals to us what we really are, which isn't too beautiful, then then we can be trusted with more of his grace, more of his wisdom, more of his power, more insight. What does the Bible say? The steps of a good man are ordered Ordered by the Lord Lord. Uh uh, and he delighteth in his way, though he fall. He will not be utterly cast down. Yes, yes, that's right. Uh, And and that is so very, very important because life is a series of mistakes. Mm -hmm. And we learn by making mistakes, but he keeps us from discouragement as we learn. That's right. So take us through ministry. What kind of things did you do? It's really interesting because my career trajectory was going to be in public administration or law. Okay. I I studied to go into uh, city management that's what I was interested in. Or uh, I had a stint in law school. I considered being a tort lawyer or a prosecuting attorney. I'm really thankful that the Lord diverted me away from that because I already had an instinct to go for the jugular. It was the gentle and meek Jesus, the humility, the compassion, and the healing tender side of Christ that I needed to learn. And so he Mm -hmm. steered me away from that. And he steered me actually into an area that I would not have chosen, and that would be the area of nutrition and mental health. And I began to study addiction and brain-body connections. And in our, I've worked with a team of addiction specialists. I, my colleague, Evelyn Kissinger, who mm-hmm. is a dietitian, she's our nutrition director. Our team has produced health education materials that are free online on 26 different topics that have to do with mental physical and spiritual wellness and social health and the brain-body connection. And and that is very thrilling to me because Mm -hmm. now as a person that understands that the platonic concept of having a soul that is the higher part of man that escapes the body at death, I now understand in the brain-body connections and the way our 
master creator has designed us that he breathed into the nostrils, the mm-hmm. breath of life, the, of the life. Ruah, yeah. and man became a living soul. And mm-hmm. so this great quote from a book that I love by Baptist attorney Edward Fudge, The Fire That Consumes, mm. he says this, man is an indivisible whole. The God relationship is not merely the life of the highest part of man. The whole man from top to bottom exists by relation to God. He's not divided into parts into which man may be divided. And so now these scriptures come alive to me, this brain-body connection, the brain-gut connection, all the backup systems that God has built within us to assist in mental and physical health. They are all interrelated. And the the more that we realize the relationship Mm -hmm. between our physical habits and our lifestyle and mental health, the more successful we can be in our walk with God. Yeah, that's right. The, the more we, we obey his laws in, in terms of mental, physical, and spiritual health, the more we become closer and closer to him. They're all connected. connected They're yeah. all connected. For instance, there are 50 different neurochemicals that the brain creates that are uh, associated with mood. 50 different molecules of emotion that we associate with mood and emotion. The brain is only 5% electrical. It's 95% chemical, meaning that these neurochemicals are capable of action at a distance. So that's very interesting. So when we're upset, we often feel it instantly in our stomach or we start to wheeze or the immune system becomes impaired. So as we practice attitudinal disciplines, which the Bible teaches, Mm -hmm. then it strengthens these various systems of the body to resist disease. Now, I understand that disease happens, you can do all the right things. And and we live in a broken world where these unfair things happen. But would right. you agree with me that we can reduce risk? Yes, can. It's very, very important. But That's at the true. same time, uh-huh. all 50 of these neurochemicals are made, stored, and secreted by the mobile cells of the immune system, the cells of the respiratory tract, and the cells of the GI tract. So that's an incredible thought. So as I, tr- as I treat my body with respect, uh-huh. with regards to the laws of my being, the laws of health, eating well, we advocate a plant-based, a diet rich in plant-based foods, exercise, regularity, sleep, relationships, mm-hmm. then these molecules of emotion are made by the cells of the GI tract, the respiratory tract, and the immune system, and they assist in mental health. For instance, serotonin is a transmitter, a neurotransmitter that we associate with uh, with mood mm-hmm. and with appetite. It's also called a learning transmitter. So when serotonin is in the basement, at basement levels, it's hard to learn new things. That's right. 95% of serotonin is produced in the GI tract. Half of dopamine, which we associate with addictions and reward pathways, GI tract. GABA, which has to do with impulse control, Mm -hmm. GI tract, and high fiber foods, the metabolites and breakdown products of a high fiber, beautiful fruit, vegetable, grain, bean diet, stimulate the production of those very neurotransmitters, which assist in mental health and well-being. That is amazing. It's beautiful. From just listening to you explain, it looks like you started enjoying this career path. 
um, more than the, uh, you would do the yes <laughs> the other case. Oh, absolutely. Yes, I, I'm so thankful for the uh, for my graduate uh, for my graduate work in mm -hmm. nutrition and, and the specialty of brain body connections. And on our website, Lifestyle Matters. Dot com our, mm -hmm. our listeners can go to that website and they can get several books on this topic written by our addiction team one of them is called living free who doesn't want to live free finding freedom from habits that hurt and then there's another book foods for thought nutrition's link mm. with mood memory learning and behavior and then there's simple solutions lifestyle links to better health uh, immune health and uh, fighting depression and stress Wonderful. So, wonderful. yes, so, yeah, so seen, many links, so many links. Yeah, I've seen some of those books. They are amazing, wonderful books that can guide you into a balanced lifestyle. And for health educators, we have 26 free, scripted, beautiful PowerPoints on 26 topics in English and Spanish, short and long version, free with facilitator guides, how to hold your own programs, and even 26 videos so that in your church or your home, your home, your church can become a home or church of hope in your community to Amazing. help people who are desperately in need of a helping hand, of an encouraging word, and wonderful. mostly the help of our loving Savior. Yes, wonderful. Now you're in ministry and what, what happened next? Well, what happened next is we, we have launched, it's worldwide. These materials are in different languages all over the world. And, and I'm so very grateful. But there was yet another chapter to occur in my life because mm. when we pass through the waters, mm -hmm. the Bible says, uh, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they will not overflow thee. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned and it will not kindle upon you. But I, right. I did not know how deep those waters would be. So... Uh, before I met my husband, Dane, mm -hmm. I only knew trauma and fear. I did not have a feeling of being safe growing up. But when I married my husband and we found Christ, I could not conceive of a better life than being in ministry together. We worked together on projects all day long, and then we would travel together. We would get in the car and drive a mile to go to the post office to get wow. the mail. Uh, our hearts were knit with one another, with God, mm -hmm. raising our children for God. Uh, then a, a terrible blow came. My husband uh, developed a very rare and aggressive cancer that only 1,200 people get a year, and it was a death sentence. Hmm. And I was completely, my world fell apart. I couldn't imagine living without mm -hmm. my husband. I couldn't imagine that this was happening. It didn't make sense. How could these God-hating rock and roll people be running around having litters of children right. and living uh -huh. for nothing and leading people to evil. And my godly, wonderful husband is dying. I mean, this became very real to me. Yeah. These are real questions. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was, it was a roller coaster uh -huh. that I wanted to get off and I couldn't. If I could have changed places with him, I would have. He would pray one more project for thy cause, mm. dear God. And I would just I would wail and mm. I couldn't believe it. It wasn't real. I couldn't be alone, not on this world, not when it is such a horrible place. I couldn't do it. And I would go on walks and I would plead with God to either heal my husband or release me from the work. 
Because what happens when you're in health work and this kind of a thing happens, people come out of the woodwork with, and they say things that you, you just can't even believe. Uh, they start sending cures through email or they catch right. you and they start talking about, well, what, what's wrong in your life that this had to happen to you? And, and what did he do wrong? Maybe he's not forgiving or maybe you haven't tried the baking soda maple syrup cure uh, yet. Well, that, when that one came through, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I went to my husband. I said, uh -huh. let's go to Pancake House and we'll be done with this thing. We'll just have a stack of pancakes. <laughs> uh, but I knew that that wasn't going to happen and I knew what was coming. Uh, but uh, I was so comforted by the thought from uh, the Word of God and from statements that I'd read in inspired writings that if God should permit a long lingering illness, and at times he does. There are times he does. That's right. The Christian can bear it with cheer, a short rest in the grave, and then the life giver will call his name. So uh, even though I didn't understand, mm -hmm. it's really interesting. Our habits, the habits of our life were so set and had so little to do with emotion that we habitually, we kept up our walks, we kept up our healthy diet, we kept up ministry as long as we could, mm -hmm. we kept up our worships, and we would enter into worship. It was like Jesus was sitting there with us. It was like entering into paradise, and then we wow. would go back into hell. We would go back into the reality. We would go back into what the, the treatments were, and we would go back into what the scans were showing. Mm -hmm. And it, it, was, it was a nightmare. But Jesus was with us there. Uh, the Bible says he's the lily of the valley. We love mountaintop experiences, but we were in the valley. And the valley is actually where growth takes place. That's right. And that's what was happening, even though it was a very painful experience. And my husband did indeed pass away. Uh, I, uh, I, I just did not know that I could live. And I was working on our Balanced Living series at that time. We have 26 beautiful tracks, mm -hmm. but it was changing the way I was sharing. Everything, wow. it, it changed everything. I had a lady tell me several years later, she said, Vicki, you're saying the, the same things, but the way you're saying them is different. different. And that's what the baptism of suffering does. In fact, when you go and look at our balanced living materials, you will find topics like lessons on loss, life out of loss, growth out of grief. You will find topics on chronic pain. What happens when you don't get your miracle? How do you trust in a torn world when it isn't happening for you? And so it opened up a world of strength and growth, how to be steadfast when you're not getting your miracle. Yeah, this is interesting that you mentioned that because on this podcast, we've featured quite a lot of stories of, of healing and people who have been hard times with disease and they've come out of it. But what about the person who says, where is my miracle, as you said? Oh, exactly. That, yeah. that is exactly right. And I have so, uh, there are some statements that I carry in my Bible. One of uh -huh. them is from a wonderful book, Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing. And it is available in bookstores. Christ can look upon the misery of this world without a shade of sorrow for having created man. In the human heart, he sees more than sin, more than misery. In his infinite wisdom and love, he sees man's possibilities. 
the height to which he may attain. He knows that even though we have abused our mercies and even destroyed our God-given dignity, mm-hmm. yet the Creator is to be glorified in our redemption. And part of that redemption is the path of pain. Right. It's just, it, it creates new creatures out of us. And it's not vindictive on God's part. It's, it's the schoolhouse that breaks us out of our selfish mold. And, and I love this um, quote from the book Education, page 151. Mm-hmm. All who in this world render true service to God or man receive a preparatory training in the school of sorrow. The weightier the trust and the higher the service, the closer is the test and the more severe the discipline. And I am so grateful that even though this world is the scene of our trials, our griefs, and our sorrows, uh, that light will come out of darkness, Amen. which at times seems incomprehensible. Mm-hmm. There's a cloud of mercy hovering over that sorrowing soul, even in the darkest hour. Mm-hmm. And if our eyes could be open, we would see our Heavenly Father bending over us in love. We would hear his voice in tones of compassion when we are prostrate with suffering, affliction, and oppression. Stand fast in his strength is my word and God's word to you. There is rest. There is strength for the weary. After my husband died, Uh I lost my will to live. I prayed to die. I was working on these programs by day and praying for God to end my life every night. So you continued with ministry. I did. even, Even though you were in a difficult time. Yes. I would work. This is where the fight of faith versus feelings. Mm -hmm. David cried in the Psalms, I will pray to the God of my life. Why have you forsaken me? Hmm. All through the Bible, we see these confrontations. Where are you, God? Where where are you? Job, why was I born? Why couldn't I have been a stillbirth? And the Lord speaks to Job in, in Psalm 38. And he says, okay, Job, uh, you, you want to solve the sin problem? Go ahead. You can't even domesticate a zebra, but go ahead, put a hook in Leviathan's nose, solve the problem. And God does not answer Job's questions when he is fiercely assailed. Imagine he lost 10 children, his property, his health was gone, right. uh, his livelihood, his reputation, gone. Uh-huh. And the Lord asks him in the next chapters a series of 70 questions. And those 70 questions are wrapped in compassion, but they're challenging to Job they because he says, challenging. Job, where were you? Were you there? Have you seen? Did you know? Mm -hmm. And at the end of those 70 questions, God has revealed to Job that he is big enough to handle the sin problem and that it will be handled. And like Job, some of us get our worst things first and our best things last. last. If Christ brings you to it, he'll bring you through it. So we can choose to be bitter or better. We can choose to be pitiful or powerful. Mm -hmm. We have nowhere else to go for the pain that we experience in this life, but God. And that's what I learned to do. But over a three-week period, I pled with God to take my life every night before I went to bed. And I respected him too much to take my own life. Hmm. But I was so concerned about the part of me that does oversight uh, that I actually one night in the middle of the night called a a suicide hotline and no one answered. (laughs) That is strange. I know. And yeah. I said, Lord, seriously, <laughs> like this is, you know. I've never How strong do you thing. really think I am, Lord? Wow. So one night after about three weeks of this wrestling, I and I was having my worships. I was doing ministry. I was going for my walks. I was eating blueberries and walnuts. But my 
my feelings were in chaos. Mm. I was in chaos. And at the end of this three weeks, I prayed a, a miserable prayer. It was, Lord, even, even if I could win more souls for you, I remember that pledge I made, and I remember that contract I entered in with you. You know, I just want to spend the rest of my life putting the devil out of business. Right, right. Uh-huh. I remembered that pledge, but I said, I'm, I'm, I, check me out. I'm getting out of this. I'm, con- out, of I, I'm out of it. I just want to die. And I was so sure that night that God took me seriously and that he knew I meant it, that I had crossed the line. I, I believed that I had crossed the line of his mercy with mm. that prayer. But thank the Lord, uh, he did not destroy me that night. I, to my absolute shock, I woke up the next morning. Hmm. And in that morning, there was a scripture in my head. And this is the value of daily Bible study, because what you learn in the light is what you're going to take into the darkness. You're yeah, not going to learn strength for you. Yeah, you're not going to learn new stuff when you're in a crisis. But the scripture that was on my mind that morning was I had almost fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Wow. And so it was as if God was saying to me, Vicki, I know you don't see my goodness now. I know that it feels like you're alone in a storm-tossed boat. I know it seems and feels like you're abandoned. But if you will just believe that you will see my goodness, if you will take that small step of faith, I can help you. And I chose to take that step. Praise the Lord. And the rest is history. Wow. Praise the Lord. Amen. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Jesus said, it is said of Jesus that for the joy that was set before him, Mm -hmm. he endured the cross. And we have a hope that is set before us. So when I glibly say that hope is the heart of health, hope in our heartaches, hope in our habits, hope in our hindrances, hope for heaven, hope. He is the God of hope. He's the God of it. So even if your circumstance is not good, Mm -hmm. you can have hope in your heart. God has a way. He knows the way. He shows the way. And he will go the way. He is the deliverer. And he will strengthen you. If he does not take away that problem, he will give you strength to overcome it. Amen. That's right. He's the God of hope. So did you continue with ministry? Yes, I'm still in. That's why I'm sitting here today. (laughs) Wonderful. Full time. Just finished doing a creating a 10 session quit nicotine program. Enjoying seeing people's lives liberated from the power of sin and, and exchanging all of our collective wishbone for backbone. Wow, that's, that's, that's amazing. So has the ministry grown? What's the ministry like now? Exponentially. Exponentially. And I'm so thankful that I don't have the mindset that I had before. I mean, can you imagine having a health educator that's never had a cold, never had the flu, never experienced a migraine, <laughs> doesn't know loss? How long would you stay in the room listening to that person? And that's why the Bible says of Jesus that in all our afflictions, uh-huh. he is afflicted. We do that's not right. have a high priest that cannot resonate and cannot that doesn't understand the pains and sorrows of life he has entered into this with us he is with us in this amen amen so last words to someone who is saying where is my miracle (laughs) (laughs) the miracle is what's going to happen in you and when the miracle of god happens in you Mm -hmm. he will see you through this is Michael Xarona, and you have been listening to Why I Am Here. For more episodes, please visit villagesda.org. 
We would like to thank Pastor Ron Kelly and his pastoral staff for making this show a reality. We would also like to thank Village Seventh-day Adventist Church in Bering Springs, Michigan for their support and sponsoring this show. If you would like your story to be featured on this show, please visit villagesda.org. If you have enjoyed this show, please remember to subscribe, review, and share with your friends. You can also listen to this show on your favorite podcast platform. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. <laughs>